start off with something a little bit different since it's a little bit more informal today uh, and do what I call a sword drill. So I want for those who are willing to participate, if you are, let's start off with, um, with, uh, let's start off with, uh, let's do 16 and under, 16 and under. If you're willing to participate in the sword drill and you have a copy of the Bible with you, if you don't have a Bible, maybe you can borrow one from your per parents or something, but you need a physical Bible, okay? If you're willing to participate, can you hold it up high and let's see how many participants, let's say 16 and under. Do you have a Bible? Yeah, it's in my tent. Okay, yeah, you need that. Okay, there you go. You're getting your mom's. Oh, she's going for it. How many participants do I have? 16 under that have a physical Bible with them right now. One. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Let's do this. If you're willing to participate and you have a Bible and you're 16 and under, stand up with that Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and stand up and we'll make sure you get one, okay? And the winner of this contest is going to get a trampoline pass, a one-hour pass at Trampoline Park, okay? And I'll explain the ins and outs of it. But uh, are you playing Destiny? I think you should try. Yeah. Try it. It wouldn't hurt. All right, so here's how this is going to work. I'm going to call out a reference to... Have you guys ever done sword drills before? No. You have? Noel has not. Have you, Hannah? I might have. See, for me, this was like a thing that we did growing up. That was like it you right in, in sunday school and ch kids church you just did sword drills um so i'm gonna explain it have you ever done it destiny really wow okay wow well we're gonna do it now we call it a sword drill because the bible is likened to the sword of the spirit which is the word of god that's part of the the armor of god so we call this a sword drill and what it is basically is a speed drill and the first person to turn to the verse that i recite the reference that i recite then they get to knock someone out, okay? So let's do this. Can you all come up here? Now that you've committed to playing, can you just come up here real fast? And let's stand shoulder to shoulder right here, okay? For everyone to watch. Let's give it up for our participants. They have courage, right? Now, there are people, there are people in the age demographic that are regretting their decision not to participate. So if that's you, you can come on up now because I know you're like, man, all the cool kids are up there. Okay. All right, we got plenty of participants, so that's good. So what I'm going to do, let's do a practice run, okay? okay? So what you're going to do is hold your Bible by the spine of the Bible. Hold it in one hand and hold it about shoulder height, okay? Hold it up here. You got you to close it. You got to close it to be able to hold it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You close it, okay? Close your Bible and hold it by the spine. So you see how Destiny's doing it? That's perfect. Everybody do what Destiny's doing, okay? It doesn't matter which hand. It could be right or left hand, all right? You're going to hold it in that hand. And I'm going to recite a reference. Like, let's try Psalm 119.1. Okay, Psalm 119.1. And when I say Psalm 119.1, you all in unison will repeat back and you guys can help out as well. You guys will go Psalm 19.1. Okay, let's try it. Ready? Psalm 19.1. Psalm 19.1. Good, good. Let's try it again. Psalm 119.1. Psalm, Psalm 119.1. confused. Good. All right. And then when you hear me say the word go, you're going to take your Bible down and try to turn to Psalm 119.1. As soon as you get there, you're going to read it as loudly as you can. Okay? Real loud. Okay? I have a question. Yes. What if we have it memorized? Then do, can we just blurt it out? <laughs> you're not going to have these memorized. But yeah, if you have it memorized, then I would just blurt it out and you get credit for it. Yeah. So the first person, check it out. The first person to get this verse and to read it, 
then they get to pick someone in the row to go sit down. It has to be... Okay. So here we go. You guys ready? Any other questions? Yeah. All right. You guys can help me be my judges, okay? The first verse I'm going to give you is Proverbs 11.13. Ah, ah, ah. I didn't say go yet. You ready? Hold it up. All right. Swords ready? Draw your swords. Jing. Okay. Let's make that noise. Ready? Swords ready? Jing. There you go. Proverbs 11.13. Proverbs 11.13. Ready? Proverbs 11.13. Proverbs 11.13. Hachoo! Ooh, I got you. Okay. Wait for me to say... Meow. I didn't get anybody. Okay. Go! Hey, Sucker, you got tabs. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Read it louder, what? A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. A trustworthy man keeps a secret. Very good. Give it up for Sophie. Sophie, you get to pick someone to knock out. All right, here we go. Next one. All girls now. Wow. You ready? Proverbs 20, 18. Proverbs 20, 18. Stop. Gotcha. Roof. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to say charge. Go. What verse was it again? I don't remember. I like to say random numbers while they're Got looking it. for it. After, con after consultation, plan succeed. So take wise advice from waging war. Very good. Pick somebody to knock out. Does anyone want to volunteer? <laughs> That's what you're about to say, aren't you? <laughs> Hurry. Sophie. Sophie. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Sophie. <laughs> Next one. Are you ready? Job 1919. Job 1919. Go! Where is Job in your Bible? <laughs> I don't know where Job That's going to be a toughie. Job 1919. 1919. Job 1919. Job 1919. You just look in front of your Bible. I can't say that word. Here, Job. Abhor. Abhor me. To hate something strongly. Okay, pick somebody. Good job. Hannah. Hannah. Woo! Goodbye. Goodbye. Down to four. Down to four. Live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. You ready? Psalm 25 14. Psalm 25 14. Meow. Oh, I didn't get anybody. Stop. Go. Read it nice and loud when you get there. Real loud. Turn faster. <laughs> the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. There you go. Good job. Pick somebody to knock out. Destiny. <laughs> oh, now the next person's going to knock out Noel. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple more. 
Psalm 119, verses one, verse 177. Psalm 119, verse 177. Got it? Go. Psalm 119, verse 177. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for nope. your law is my delight. Psalm 119, verse 177. Is that it? I'm playing a joke on you. There is no verse 177. I was wondering. All right, here's, for real, swords ready. Draw your swords. Ready? Make the noise. Draw your swords. Shing. You ready? Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, 105. You got to repeat it back. Psalm 119, 105. This is for real this time. Go charge bear wants to play <laughs> psalm 119 105 read it real loud your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path good job pick somebody to knock out <laughs> wow this is it we're down to the wire this is the last one. You ready? John eleven thirty five. This is this is a long verse. You ready? John eleven thirty five. You ready? This is it. This is the moment. Go. John eleven thirty five. This is it. The big moment. One of the deeper passages in the Bible, I would say. John 1135. John 1135. Jesus wept. There you go. Good job. All right. Give it up for Noel. She is our winner. She is winning one hour at Extreme Air right here. A, a retail value of $67.99 probably. No. Good job. We used to do that all the time growing up. I feel like we should do that more often. That was fun. That was a good time. And it teaches you guys your way around your, your Bibles, right? Um, I want to read you guys a story. I love history, and I love military history especially. Is it okay if I read you a little story this morning to kick things off? It's about military history. So this is about, um, about Swedish military history. You might be thinking, wait a second, Swedish military history? Yeah. During, can you guys hear me okay? I feel like I need to be closer. During the rain of King Gustavus Adolphus, Sweden reached its peak of military power and influence in Europe. The Swedish Empire held territory in what is today the countries of Sweden, Norway, Finland, Germany, Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Russia. Sweden's success came from its great leadership and its army. They were a land power and Gustavus, the king, was an all-time great general. They weren't that much of a naval power, however. They had a fleet of ships, but they were mostly smaller ships, and they couldn't compete with top-tier ships on, of the line which was produced by other major powers like England and France. Sweden's ships were mostly designed for escort and patrol duty. 
However, in 1625, Sweden lost 10 ships in a storm. So in 1627, they lost two of their biggest ships to a skirmish with the Polish Navy. Basically, they were a mediocre naval power. In 1626, the king ordered the creation of a ship that could serve as the flagship for the Swedish Navy. The ship was to be named the Vasa, which was the name of the Swedish royal palace. The construction of the ship was ordered during a period where they were fighting, where they were uh, fighting Poland and Lithuania. They had very poor relations with Denmark and were worried about an invasion by Catholic powers on the continent. So the king was notified that Denmark was building a ship with two gun decks. So of course, not to be outdone, he wanted Sweden to have a ship with two gun, gun decks as well. The two gun deck gunship, say that fast, the two deck gunship was a huge innovation in shipbuilding in the 17th century. But there was one problem. No one in Sweden had ever built a two-deck gunship before. And the original plan for the Vasa was just a single-deck gunship. The shipbuilder was a man by the name of Heinrich Hybertson. He had built many ships before, but when the requirements were changed suddenly to a two-deck ship, a ship he had never built before, he didn't have any written plans. He was kind of winging it. A two-deck gunship isn't just a case of putting a second deck on any ship. Each deck would be laden with heavy cannons and the second deck totally changes how the ship floats and its level of stability. Hybertson became sick and about midway through the construction and died before it was finished. The construction contract was then passed to his widow, Margareta Nilsdoter. It's an interesting name. The ship was to be about 70 meters or 226 feet long with the height of 172 feet, a very tall ship. However, what made it special wasn't its size per se, because there was bigger ships that had been made, but what made it special was the number of guns or cannons to be on the ship. It was scheduled to have 72 guns, which is twice the number of the single deck design, what it was supposed to have. To put this into perspective, the USS Constitution, which was built 150 years later, was over 700 tons heavier. It was a battleship and it just barely had over 50 guns at its peak armaments. So the Vasa had a lot of guns. And because they just sort of winged the second deck thing, it was much wider at the top than a normal ship would be. A few weeks before the ship was to launch, the ship's captain, Sofring Hansen, did a demonstration for Vice Admiral Klaus Fleming. He ran a test where 30 men ran back and forth on the top deck to simulate the ship rocking. However, they had to cancel the test out of fear that the ship would capsize. Up to this point, there isn't much about the story that would make this very story worthy because there were thousands of ships built during this period. And this one was just a little bit different, but there was nothing really to make it stand out. What made this story worthy was that on its maiden voyage on August 10th, 1628, the launch of the ship was a huge event. Hundreds, if not thousands of people 
gathered around the harbor to see Sweden's biggest ship ever construction ever constructed set sail. So the Vasa struck all four of its sails open and up to its gun ports so it could fire us open its gun ports so it could fire a salute once it was out of the harbor. The light wind filled the sails as the ship of a crew of 130 sailors set out into the Stockholm harbor to the cheers of a large crowd gathered that day. And suddenly a gust of wind came and it hit the ship as it passed the bluff of what is now called the Sodermalm. And guess what? The ship sank. Just 0.8 of a mile from leaving the port. 1.3 kilometers it made it. And the greatest ship ever constructed in the Swedish Navy sank before it even left the harbor, killing 30 sailors on board. So, it turned out that the ship was built extremely vulnerable to wind gusts. As you can guess, it was extremely top-heavy. And when it hit a gust of wind, which wasn't really even that strong, and it was only estimated to be about eight knots, it caused the ship to lean dramatically to one side. And the gun ports on the lower deck were opened because remember they were doing the big gun salute and the ship leaned so much that water started to enter the gun ports. The water rushing in prevented the ship from returning upright and from there was just a matter of time until it filled the water with water and sank. This makes the Vasa one of the small handful of ships that sank on its maiden voyage, along with the Titanic, of course. But the Titanic at least made it halfway across an ocean and it had to hit an iceberg in order to sink. Now, there's only one other ship that sank faster than the Vasa did on its maiden voyage, and that was the SS Daphne in 1883 in Glasgow. And that was due to it dragging an anchor behind, which caused the ship to capsize as well. You see, the Vasa is like a 17th century version of project manager management failure. Almost everyone up and down the chain of command can bear some responsibility for its failure. The king can take some of the blame for the changing the design after the process has started. The shipmaker can take some blame for building the ship without a plan or any experience in building such a ship. And the Swedish Navy can also take some blame for letting the ship sail when they knew all along that it was very vulnerable to capsize. So in other words, it was a massive embarrassment to the Swedish Navy, to the Swedish uh, king, to the Swedish country as a whole. So it sank where it sat for about 330 years at the bottom of a harbor. And then in 1956, an amateur archaeologist decided to do a little diving, discovered the remains of the ship, and over the course of several years through channeling uh, cables underneath the ship, they were able to raise it. And finally, on April 24th, 1961, the Vasa was back on the surface of the water for the first time in 333 years. It floated back to a dry dock and it managed to float by itself. It was moved to a temporary uh, facility in 1988 um, and then shortly thereafter moved to the Vasa Museum where it sits to this day and where people travel to from all around the world to see the great embarrassment of the Swedish Navy. <laughs> so what do we learn from the Vasa? <coughs> We learn Proverbs 15, 22 played out, right? 
What is Proverbs 15:22? Go there in your Bible if you have a Bible. Some of you already have this memorized. Proverbs 15:22. Proverbs 15:22. Here it is in the Hebrew language, the language in which it was originally written. Haper, it means uh, to frustrate or to cause confusion. And then ha-machashvot. And machashev uh, uh, is like a scheme or a plan. It's actually the modern Hebrew word for a computer. Machashvot. So frustrated or... or Ruined are the plans, bane sowed, without sowed. And, you know, have you ever heard of uh, Pardes, the four levels of interpretation, Jewish interpretation of a text? And the most, the deepest level of interpretation of the Bible in Jewish hermeneutics is the sowed level. How many of you have ever heard of that before? What does sowed mean? Do you guys remember? Mystery or secrets? Secret. It's the deepest level. Okay? So frustrated or ruined are the plans without sowed. Uvrov yotzim. Yotzim. So it says, um, it says, but, but with a multitude of counselors, takum, it succeeds. With a multitude of Ya'atz, it is in Hebrew. Ya'atz is like a counselor. So um, if we look back in this, we could translate this as frustrated are plans without secret counsel. But with the counsel, they succeed. With counselors, they succeed. You could translate it. This word sowed, turn with me to Job 19.19. And you heard one of the girls read it up here. Job 19.19. Job 19, 19. Job says, All my sowed friends detest me. Those I have turned those those I love have turned against me. So Job is saying, not all my secret friends, he's saying all my innermost friends. They now detest me. Now look back at Psalm 25, verse 14. Psalm 25, 14. It says, then translations are all over the board here. It says the sowed, the King James has, has a good translation of the secret the sowed of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenants. You get a better idea of what sowed means? So this word sowed, it means the innermost or secret. So let's go back to Proverbs fifteen twenty-two. Frustrated are the are the chashav, the plans, the schemings, with those without secret 
Ya'atz, secret counsel or very close intimate counsel. This tells me that Proverbs is saying that when you want counsel on something, like a big decision, you don't go to just everybody. That you go to people who are trusted by you. You go to people that you trust, that are successful at that already. If it's a, if it's a big financial decision, then you go to people who are financially sound. That are, that are people that are not broke and giving the illusion of, of wealthy. But you go to people who are wealthy, but are humble about it and are living frugally perhaps. But you don't go to broke people for these big, uh, you know, you, you don't go to just, you don't put a poll on Facebook asking for anybody and everybody to vote how you should decide. What the proverb is saying is you go to people that are your innermost trusted ring of friends, okay? Now this word ya'atz or counselor, it's the idea of, you know how kings usually have a ring of counselors around them? And you ever seen in the movies how a king, he, he gets presented with a question or a problem or a dilemma and he doesn't know exactly what to do. Like, should I go to war or should I not go to war? You remember seeing those kinds of scenes in a movie? And what does the king usually do if he's a wise king? He usually ga gathers his yo'atzim, his counselors around him. And do they talk really loud where everybody can hear it? No, they usually talk kind of quietly. What do I do? What do I do? You know, and the counselors speak to him. And uh, the president of the United States of America has this and they call they call it his cabinet and they're like his counselors they're people that the president is acknowledging that i will let you speak counsel into my life so this verse in proverbs 15 22 if we're to understand it a little bit deeper it is like frustrated are the plans of someone that doesn't seek the counsel of people that are in his, his or her innermost ring of friends that they trust. But then what does the next line of the verse say? Read it out loud. But with many counselors, plans succeed. Um, I was faced with a big decision about four or five months ago, and I didn't make it a public decision. I was offered a job working for a home builder. And I couldn't really come to the decision on my own. So what do you think that I did? What was the first thing that I did? Very good, Marvin. That's a good answer. Where's Marvin at? Kyung Hee, he gets extra credit. Five points for Marvin. Yeah. I went to Stacy about it. And Stacy was actually standing right next to me when I was more or less offered the job. But I, we talked about it, we deliberated it, and then and then when we kind of maybe came up to a decision, then I went out to my next ring of trusted counselors. And that would be my family. So I would go to like my mother and my in-laws. Hey, this got offered to me. Here's all the details. What would you do in my situation? What are some pros? What are some cons? And then 
after I got their feedback and their ya'ats, their counsel, I went even further out and I asked people that are, that are people that I trust to give me advice on my career path. And I remember um, it was one Saturday morning. I was, I just finished helping lead worship and I went back to the restroom. And as I was walking out of the restroom, Adrian was out by the water dispenser thing. And he was there and I walked up to him and it was one of the few times we get alone on a Saturday, any given Saturday. So he and I struck up a conversation and I said, this is a perfect opportunity. And I said, Adrian, let me tell you something real fast. If you have a minute, I got offered this job and I went through all the details with him and, and he stops and he thinks, and he kind of looks up in the air and he goes, I think you should do it. And I was like, okay, all right. And he goes, and I was like, well, why do you think that? You know, I wanted him to kind of prove his point a little bit. So he talked to me a little bit about it and made me feel a little bit more sure about the decision. And so do you see how long of a process that was for me though? And within all that is prayer and asking God to close a door, asking him to confirm or either um, uh, confirm one way or the other on that situation. Now, this idea of looking for a multitude of counselors when you're faced with a big decision is all throughout the book of Proverbs. Let me just give you two more examples. Go to Proverbs 11.13. Proverbs 11.13. We're going to read 13 and 14. 11, 13 through 14. Is anybody there? I got it. Can you read it real loud? A gossip goes around revealing secrets, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. Without clever tactics, an army is defeated, and victory comes from much planning. Victory comes from many... How many have you many counselors or much counseling? Okay. Victory comes through much planning. Go with me to um, chapter 20, verse 18 now. Proverbs 2018. Proverbs 2018. You got it, Greg? Read it out loud. By counsel, plans are established, and by wise guidance, wage a battle. By, by counsel, plans are established. Now, go with me to Luke chapter 14. In verse 28, Luke 14, 28. Luke 14. I'll read this one because I'm going to read a few verses. Luke 14, 28. Yeshua says, Which of you wishing to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost to see if he has the resources to even complete it? Otherwise, if he lays the foundation and is unable to finish the work, everyone sees the unfinished tower and will ridicule him, saying, this man could not finish building what he started. Now, he's talking about discipleship and counting the cost of becoming a follower of him, and we should do that. But if I were to semi-remove it out of its context for just a moment, if you'll allow me, what he's saying, he's kind of pulling off of these proverbs and saying, before you set out to do something and you make a big, big decision or a big investment of your money or your time, seek counselors, weigh out the cost of that. Now, we as humans 
have a lot of decisions we have to make, right? And in fact, your very existence, the very reason you were created, every single one of us, is to choose. That's why we're here, to choose. We've been given the ability to choose. It's a beautiful thing. We're not a bunch of meat robots. As much as we would love that. <laughs> Be a much safer world to live in, right? A more predictable world to live in. We can all choose. And I talked a few weeks back about most, if not all of us, have experienced great injustices and trauma in our lives. And we have to choose. Do I allow that to dictate my future and deal more injustice and trauma to people around me? Or do I do my best to claw my way out of that cycle and choose to bring life to people and restoration and allow that injustice that was dealt to me to bring other people up as well who might be going through or have gone through similar trauma or injustice. That's a choice, right? The book of Proverbs is all about choices, making decisions. Here are some big decisions that you all and I have to make in our lifetime. Whether or not we will maintain a personal relationship with the Lord and our Savior Yeshua. Who we will marry and or make babies with. And I always say that is the second most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And it will follow you for the good or for the bad the rest of your life. There is a song by a musician named Magic. How many of you ever heard Magic before? And you'll, you'll recognize the song. This one is called, um, I think it's called So Rude. But the song goes, and this is a very popular song if you turn on like, what is it, 106.7 KMX or something. You'll hear this song if you wait long enough, which I don't recommend you do. But it goes, Saturday morning, jumped out of bed and put on my best suit. Got in my car and raced like a jet. Man, these are, these are beautiful lyrics, right? I mean, just the poetry here all the way to you i knocked on your door with my heart in my hand to ask you a question because i know that you're an old-fashioned man yeah (laughs) (laughs) can i have your daughter for the rest of my life say yes say yes because i need to know you say i'll never get your blessing till the day i die tough luck my friend but the answer is no Why you gotta be so rude? Don't you know I'm human too? Why you gotta be so rude? I'm gonna marry her anyway. I'm gonna marry that girl, marry her anyway. Some of you know what song I'm talking about now, right? It's gonna be stuck in your head the rest of the day. Check your heart if you know that song. I'm gonna marry that girl, yeah, no matter what you say. Marry that girl. And we'll be a family. Let's pause here and say you're probably not going to be a family. If you are going to be a family, you're going to be a really ate up dysfunctional one at this point. Okay? Don't go with that guy who's singing this song to your dad. All right? Why you got to be so rude? Here's the next verse. Now, now, catch this. The, the writing here is just so masterful. I hate to do this. You leave me no choice. I can't live without her. Love me or hate me. We will be both standing at that altar or we will run away to another galaxy. 
Wow. You know, you know she's in love with me. She will go anywhere I go. Can I have your daughter for the rest of my life? Say yes, say yes, because I need to know. You say I'll never get your blessing till the day I die. Tough luck, my friend, because the answer's still no. And he goes, marry that girl, marry her anyway. I'm going to marry that girl no matter what you say. So it's interesting, this song has crept its way into popular culture and on the radio and is sung by millions and millions of people and sold millions of copies of this downloads or whatever. But it's like the song, it's like the, this guy is, um, he's, he's, he's giving the illusion that he's going to this girl's father for his blessing. And he's like walking up to the door and he's wearing his best suit. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do the honorable thing. And the, the father's like, no, you're a scumbag, right? And he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna marry her anyway, right? And it's like that, that arrogance, it's like dripping with arrogance. It's like, I'm just gonna do it. Even though, you know, my dad has, um, has changed all my diapers and provided for me and probably knows me better than I know me. I'm gonna go with this scumbag and uh, he's gonna take me to a different galaxy and we're gonna run away and we're probably gonna live very dysfunctional lives, but he's telling me he loves me and all this other stuff and I'm wooed by that, whatever. But it gives the illusion of that, right? Who we marry and or make babies with on that first go around is a really big decision. Here's another big decision. Who will be authoritative influencers in your life? Who will be authoritative influencers in your life? This is huge. It, there should be very few. Very few, okay? It, sh it should not be. Now, I'm not saying you can't watch um, uh, Sean Hannity, <laughs> okay? It should not be Sean Hannity. You can get your news or whatever from Sean. It should not be um, Rabbi Joe Schmo on the internet who has a, a, a master's degree from Google Inc., okay? <laughs> Don't let him speak authoritatively into your life, all right? It should be a close, intimate group of people that you know, that you've observed their fruits over a long time period, and you know that these people are trustworthy. I can allow them to speak authoritatively into my life. Here's another big decision we will face. How will I earn a living or future job changes. Just like I talked to you about taking a job, right? Schooling for my children, that's a really big decision. Some of you in, in the sound of my voice are yet to have kids. And you, you will come across that decision. What, how do we train up our kids? Do we send them to the state penitentiary light? That is public schools? Where they, learned, where they learn gender dysphoria is is okay and normal and they completely teach that absolute truth and moral standards and and justice is completely pliable and completely can be completely fabricated in one's mind or do we teach them from a biblical worldview that human life is precious and indispensable and all humans are made in the likeness of god or you know do we teach them that God created us and that's why there is absolute truth, right? Where, where do we send them to school? It's a really big question. And part of that comes into play is whether or not you can afford to have a parent at home and teach them from a biblical worldview. And 
it's so sad that this day and age, we are so wrapped up in what we see on a commercial and materialism and ads and wanting this and that. So we put ourselves into debt and, and someone has to, in order to keep up with those payments on that debt, they have to go to work. And then there is no one who can really raise our children. And so we have to co-op that job out to someone else. And I want to encourage you, put the brakes on buying junk. My dad used to say, it's all going to burn anyways. Put the brakes on that. Pump the brakes really hard on buying more junk. Because you cannot put a price tag on rearing your children yourself. You can't do it. It's invaluable. Here's a big decision that we will face if you haven't already faced it. Interpersonal conflict. I have been wronged by a person. Do I pursue peace? Do I pursue peace with that person and forgiveness with that person? Do I set up the table of peace and invite them to it? Or do I choose to hold that inside and carry that weight around on my shoulders and in my heart and cause me cause me anxiety and physical stress, which translates over time to illness, physical illness. That's a choice we all have to make. Another choice are large purchases that we will have to make. The biggest you can make is a house, right? And I was talking to someone just the other night and they're in the midst of buying a house. And, uh, they had a bunch of criteria in their mind, which was really wise. And they, they even had some deal breakers in their mind, which was really wise when looking at this house. And they didn't just go to the house and say, oh, it's cute, it's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. They had some like, what are the neighbors like? You know, what are the taxes gonna be? What is my payment on this house going to be? They had all these, what, what, is, what is the proximity to my family if I buy this house? And then from there, let's seek counsel from other people and let's seek counsel from the Lord through prayer. Large, purchase are, uh, large purchases are a big decision. Again, because they can put you into this cycle of debt and then having to work to pay off that debt. Try to stay out of that cycle, guys. Try your best to do that. For a multitude of reasons, try to beat that cycle and get out of debt if you can. It'll free you up to be able to stand on your moral principles when the day comes and you have to walk away from a job because they ask you to compromise on your principles. I was um, driving down Brandon Stan yesterday on my way to work and um, I, I was driving by a green truck and there was a, a man standing out, outside of the green truck. The truck was for sale. It was a old F-150. And he was looking in the windows like this. And when he came up and he, he looked at the sticker, I saw that it was Robin. Uh. And uh, I'm going to totally embarrass him. So I, he didn't see, I don't know if he saw me drive by. So I picked up the phone and I called Robin. As I'm driving, I, you know, I, just drive, I drove by him. And I said, Robin, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, why? And I said, I don't know. I just felt this overwhelming burden to pray for you and maybe you're coveting of someone else's vehicle. 
And, and he starts he starts snickering because he realized at that point that I just driven by. And I was like, I'm just like, no, I'm just messing with you. I was like, that looks like a cool truck. I was like, how much do they want for it and everything? And so we talked about the truck. I was just messing with him, but it was funny that I just happened to do that. But um, these decisions are so pivotal in our lives, right? And some of you, mainly those who are well on in your years, have had to make all these decisions. And you could look back on your life and say, check, I made a good decision. I regret that decision. Check, that was a good decision. And I want to challenge you guys that if you made a decision that you look back on and if you've highlighted that decision in your mind with the regret highlighter, instead of burying that under a rug or forgetting about it or trying to dislodge it from your memory, number one, learn from it. And then number two, if you hear of someone here in our midst that is up against a similar decision, go to them in private in that sowed counsel and say to them, confess to them, you know what? One time I was looking at a used pickup truck on the side of the road and I bought it against the counsel of my father-in-law, mother-in-law friends. And I got that thing home and it was a money pit, right? The brakes went out on it and the radiator went out on it. It was a money pit for us. Allow that regret, that decision to be restored and redeemed for good around you. God loves taking our failures and injustice that we've been dealt and restoring them for his glory and allowing us to be agents of repair and restoration to those around us. And I'm going to say another quick story. One time I was shopping for an old RV. I wanted to move into an RV and travel across country with my family. And um, I was looking on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, and I finally found this old RV in the Orlando area, and it was like $3,700. And I get there, and there's this older guy, real nice guy. He walks me out to the side yard, and he shows me this RV. And lo and behold, you never guess, it doesn't look like it did in the pictures. Just, you know... I don't know if by, by chance or intentionally, but just so happened to crop out the part of the tires that were buried in six inches of dirt, right? <laughs> and the rust didn't really show up as well in the photos as it did in person. And um, right away he gets in the driver's seat, tries to crank it up. Uh-oh. We jump it off of my father-in-law's truck. He's actually with me. He drove me up there to, to look at it. I've got $3,700 in my pocket that I worked hard every penny of it to save up and to buy this RV. It was a big dream of mine. So we get in this RV and I've got to navigate after we jumped it off and I put some fresh gas in, in amongst the nasty gas that was in there. You imagine how that ran, right? The brakes were super like seized up and real touchy. And um, the tires, we put air in them and we just prayed, right? I had to rock it back and forth to get it out of the ruts. And finally, I got it up out of his yard and took off. He's like, don't stop, don't stop, keep going, keep going. It'll stall out. Why well, get up on I-4, okay? Uh, I-4, yeah, a.k.a. the highway to hell. 
which is Disney, by the way. <laughs> so I get up there and I'm, I mean, this thing, I'm, I'm at 60 miles an hour and it's like, you know, the door is like rattling and it's about to open on its own right there on the side of the interstate. I'm like, and then my phone rings, my father-in-law is behind me in his truck. My phone rings and I'm like, hello. And he goes, Hey, uh, Gabe, I just wanted to um, make sure you know what to do if you have a blowout. As soon as he finished that statement, I hear a boom. <laughs> and, I, and suddenly the shaking goes from a, uh, to a, ah, ah, yeah. I, he goes, don't slam on the brakes if you're having, I'm having a blowout right now. <laughs> I kid you not, that's how it went. And we pull over. And we sat on the side of this turnpike for a couple hours trying to get these rusted lug nuts off. And oh my goodness, it was a pain. At nine o'clock at night, we roll up at my mom's house in Lakeland, which is about halfway between Orlando and Parrish where, where we're trying to get to. We were so exhausted. We spent the night in Lakeland at my, my parents' house. Got up the next morning did a couple more things to the RV and drove the hour and a half down to Parrish and made it. That was the same RV that we took 6,000 miles a couple months later across the country and back. And some of you have heard the story about the muffler falling off and all that stuff, but <laughs> we're not going to get into that. But let's just say I went against the counsel of some people in my life when I bought that piece of junk. And um, I wish I had sought their counsel and listened to it. I wish that I wasn't the young man in our song that said, I'm going to buy it anyway, right? I know what's best for me. But I, I was just so consumed by, the, by picturing us in that RV and traveling across the country. That RV had roaches, by the way, but that's a whole other story too. But the line between a fool, what I was when I bought that, and a wise man is a very thin line. It is this. Here's the line. If you want to know if you're a fool or a wise person, you seek God-given wisdom and you seek counsel from other wise people in every aspect of your life versus having a stubborn individualism and taking counsel from fools. So you should pray for wisdom and seek wise counsel in every aspect of your life. Now, I'm not talking about how many minutes to put your hot pocket on in the microwave, okay? I'm not talking about that. Now, here's, here's another thing I want you to pay attention to. Dreams and visions have a place in our decision-making processes. But like Mike said last night, God often uses other human beings to confirm a yay or a nay on a matter. You might dream something, but I want to encourage you. Dreams and visions about something should not be the be-all and end-all of that decision. But that I believe firmly you should seek a multitude of counsel. If you have a dream, great. But don't let that be the sole decision-making factor, especially on a big decision. Pray that God will put other counselors in your path or just 
Go to other counselors that you know. But pray for wisdom. Seek wise counsel. I hope through this week of studying the book of Proverbs, you have received sort of an instruction manual on how to get wiser because I can't teach you wisdom. And I've been working with Xavier and Rebecca and, and kind of discipling them. And he feels a call to be in a pastoral position one day in his life. And many times that we meet, I tell Xavier, I can't teach you wisdom. There's just some things doing what I do that you can only gain through experience. You can only gain through, through learning the hard way. <laughs> you can learn a lot of scripture. You can learn how to teach. You can learn rhetoric. You can learn communication and public speaking. But at the end of the day, if you don't have wisdom and you're trying to lead people, you're going to end up looking like a fool. Pray for wisdom. And with that, let's pray for wisdom right now. Can we do that? And I guess we have time for a Q&A after that, if you guys want to have a little time of Q&A. Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful day that you bless us with. I thank you for the people within the sound of my voice who gathered here today to study your word, to worship together, to laugh, and just rest in your presence. As we continue throughout our day, may everything we do today be a form of worship and bring you glory and honor. As we break bread and fellowship and play games, play music and sit around in our tents or take a nap. May it just bring you honor and glory as we call your Sabbath a delight today. Father, I pray if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that has a big decision ahead of them, I pray that you will give them wisdom and give them a desire to seek out wisdom from you and counsel from those around them and confirm matters in their life. I pray all this in the matchless name of our Savior, Yeshua. And we all said, Amen. Amen. You guys want to do, if anybody have any questions or comments, we have time for that. Anybody? Nobody? Robin? <laughs> Y'all are quiet today. Is anybody hungry for lunch? No? Okay, we'll just we'll postpone lunch then. All right. Well, don't forget. Um, yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah, you guys want to come up? Tomorrow at um, 5.30? 5 is the wedding over at, on Mosa Drive, Bobby and Karen's property. Be there by 4.30. Be there by 4.30. All right. I want to do something a little bit different uh, that we've never really done before. And uh, it is someone's 20th anniversary. And uh, I want to call Todd and Joanne up here real fast. Todd and Joanne uh, approached me about, for their 20th anniversary, creating a ketubah. And for those who don't know what a ketubah is, it's a marital contract. It's a biblical representation. It's a, bi it's a symbol of of God's contract and covenant with his people Israel. And uh, they decided to draft this ketubah and we helped them with a little bit of the wording, but they took their wedding vows and kind of reworded their wedding vows that they recited 20 years ago to each other and wrote that into a ketubah. 
And today what we're going to do is sign the ketubah. You all are going to serve as a congregation, as witnesses, and then Howard and Jackie are going to sign as witnesses as well. Todd, do you want to read it out loud there? I can't read this small Hebrew. No. <laughs> it's too small. Yeah, no kidding. All right. This ketubah witnesses before Yahweh and all those present on October 15th, 2022, that we renew our covenant promise made 20 years ago on the 9th of Kishvan in the biblical year 5763, corresponding to the 15th day of the 10th month in the year 2002. Before witnesses in Webb, Alabama, on that day, before Adonai, we, Todd Schwartzman and Joanne Carabin, stood united as one flesh, as man and wife. Today, before witnesses in Dothan, Alabama, we promise to continue to uphold the promises made to each other, to be faithful and honest, love and respect, trust, help, care, encourage, and inspire one another. With the help of Adonai, our God, we will continue to to endeavor to be open and understanding, forgiving and loyal to one another while continuing to bring out the best in each other. We will comfort and support each other through sorrows and challenges while laughing and celebrating in the joys and pleasures life brings. <coughs> May Yahweh continue to build our home filled with warmth, generosity, love, family and friends, and with the joyful voices of our children and future grandchildren. Zach future grandchildren. <laughs> wow, no pressure. <laughs> May our home be a place that strives to draw closer to Adonai and lead others to his love. We entrust our marriage to Yeshua to continue to carry us in our latter years, growing and learning and trusting His in his provision. May our latter years be greater than our former. Former. Yeah, maybe you sign with your, uh, your maiden name. Want to do that? But you're Joanne now, sportsman. Yeah, however you want to do it. You want to do it. Yeah. Yes. You may have forgotten how to sign with your maiden name. No, she can't. <laughs> you're nervous? Yeah. It's only been 20 years. Why are you still nervous? It's because no of his, no his stunning good looks after 20 years. You know, tomorrow we're going to celebrate a wedding. And it's a cause to celebrate for sure. But at the same time, I think uh, we should almost celebrate more these big milestone anniversaries. Because... recognize we had two this week I'm aware yeah. of, the Meadows and John's. Yeah, ours, ours is actually Sunday, uh, 21 years ago. 21 years. And the John's? 41. How many years, Robin? 46 years. Good job having that. Like that was like fast. <laughs> I think it's five points for Robin. So that 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 uh, five points atones for you looking at the truck yesterday. <laughs> Marvin, can you? Ours would be forty years in April of twenty. Forty years. Wow. You know. It's uh. Easy isn't the best word to describe getting married. But. How much harder is staying married, right? And staying in love. That's, yeah. it takes work and dedication and sacrifice, right? And so not to diminish cause to celebrate tomorrow, but um, 
20 years of marriage is definitely cause to celebrate. So can we leave this on display for people to walk by and see? Is that okay? Yeah, or sure. somewhere? Yeah, somewhere. Maybe in there? Super. Okay, so the ketubah, if you want to look at it, is going to be on display. And you guys can, it's a beautiful ketubah, and you come up and look at it. But um, can I just, can I pray over you guys? Let's just, uh, let's agree in prayer over Todd and Joanne. Father, I just lift up Todd and Joanne this morning. I thank you for the marriage and the example they are to so many around them. I thank you for their friendship and their hospitality they've shown us all this week. May you bless their household, bless their marriage, strengthen it. May we have 20 more years of wonderful marriage and memories and laughter and love. In Yeshua's name, amen. 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 Yeah. Up. All right, thank you. Um, is food ready to be eaten? I don't know. If... Okay, who are the servers today? Do I have any servers? You'll serve? I need like five servers. Okay, come on up. If you're going to serve, just go ahead and, and get in line over there and help them set it all up. And then we're going to sing the Hamotzi. Anybody want to do their sword drill? We should do an adult version. Any adults want to do an adult version sword drill? Oh, you did? You saw the Vasa? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, they had to keep it wet. Yeah. That's right. I read that in one of the a different article that I read. Interesting. They were astonished at how well it preserved itself in the cold waters. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't the, the normal organisms. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. They said that you could still walk across the deck. Yeah, I mean, like they said, it was so structurally strong enough that a person could walk across it after 300 years. It's remarkable. All right, let's sing the Hamotzi blessing and then we'll go get some food. You guys ready? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Hamotzi lechamin haaretz, Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Do you guys want to close out with the ironic benediction? You want to do that? Kind of forgot about that. Let me um let me pull up the music to it and we'll we'll do that real quick. <laughs>